God, I have so many great albums. I love my albums. I love them. I love them. Here's an album. God. Music is the... Is the... Is the doctor of the soul. Hello, and welcome to the 43rd annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm Patrick Remian. Welcome to The Academy. And Patrick, we got a, this might be my favorite double feature we've, uh, we've done. Man, yeah, these are such. I'm so glad we decided to do this. These movies are so good. Like, good, so God. satisfying. They're yeah. just satisfying. It's just like, this is why you go to the movies. It's just a experience through in different ways of making movies because these are very different films too. Yeah, oh, man. I'll tell you what. The last two movies I saw in theater were like the um, kind of like the indie movie, uh, high concept film Nine Days, and then uh, Venom Two, and like. Those two movies kind of represent how movies have like bifurcated. Like either movies are like dumb schlock or almost like too hoity-toity indie fair. And these two movies, they show you how movies should be made because they have something for everyone. Yeah. Like they're they're smart without being uh, annoying about it. (laughs) And they're... um... Humor comes out of situations. Yeah. Which I think is probably a big, a really, really large issue. Of course, we're talking about Albert Brooks's film, Modern Romance. Yes. And we're talking about James L. Brooks's celebrated second feature, Terms of Endearment, this week in uh-huh. our Brooks Brooks series. And I mean, you're absolutely right. There's just a quality. I mean, I think in particular, we'll talk about it when we get to terms later on in the episode, but, you know, Terms of Endearment is a um, well-constructed movie. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, it, it works really, really well. It's monumental. I've never, it's so funny. I've never seen this movie before, which sounds like, a, it feels bad now, because, like, I'm from Houston, Texas. <laughs> I should know a movie that name drops the neighborhood River Oaks. Which, by the way, kudos to the production designer. I looked at the house. I looked at the house and I realized, oh, that interior looks like a bunch of houses I've been in before in Houston. I'm going to see if they, they actually filmed in a location like in Houston. Not only did they film in Houston like that ha- and find a house to film it in. That is a house in River Oaks. They, they did the work. This, and yeah, and we'll be talking about, of course, the production designer on Terms of Endearment is Polly Platt, who... If you haven't listened to Karina Longworth, uh, you must remember this series, mini-series that she did on Polly Platt. Um, <laughs> Academy Academy pro tip. Stop listening to us right now and go listen to that. Yeah, and then was... come back and listen to that <laughs> Come back and you can hear us kind of m- mumble out something comparable. Yeah, <laughs> um, think of like Karina Longworth as the nourish- nourishing like steak and broccoli, and then us as like the ding-dong for dessert. 
yeah yeah i mean you know, a couple of ding-dongs couple of ding-dongs comparative to the her wonderful talent and you know intelligence and everything that she put in yeah. <laughs> production design production quality yeah oh, oh totally God. yeah <laughs> production uh, amount of hours spent you know doing stuff outside the, of the, the podcast it is her job where whereas we're fitting this in on a sunday morning at 9 a.m oh yeah <laughs> at this point i just see this as like a two-person movie club which yeah. is well, i love uh, it yeah okay. it's fine i'm yeah. okay with that but uh but yeah i mean just the the level of care and craft in both films in their own ways, like in terms of endearment, trying to be, you know, the be all end all grounded human drama and mm-hmm. modern romance in its attempt to be um, <laughs> 90 minutes of pure anxiety and jealousy in the form oh, of comedy. <laughs> Just like totally. Non-stop. Yeah, it's sometimes like it has like the the energy of a horror movie just well, like you <laughs> it is the spooky season as we all know but um would you uh would you uh care would you uh venture to say that the scariest character we will meet this month is robert cole oh yeah totally just <laughs> uh just a, a horrifying uh emotional wreck of like i would not want to be friends with this man after seeing this I mean, movie halloween kills let's talk about going on a date with this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh man i've never seen a movie make taking quaaludes look so uncool it it's it would this movie is so funny boy we're, we're so excited to talk we about got it we clearly, got it but it is so funny that like there are so many movies where it's like you know, we talk about a movie like, I don't know, like 500 Days of Summer or uh, kind of the romantic comedy from the male point of view and kind yes. of like it, how it downplays the female character. And it's kind of all very like, this is like the greatest version of that because Albert Brooks knows what kind of prick the character he's playing is. Yes. And he doesn't get to know her because he is so self-obsessed and that is the point of the there, entire movie there, okay so here yeah, i was thinking about how come like judd apatow movies don't always work for me like at the level that like a modern romance does and i think we've gotten to the point where like like judd apatow passed the bifurcation point where like he can either be noah bombach or Judd Apatow, or Todd, you know what I mean? You can either go the, the, the route of Todd Phillips, or the route of, uh, not saying Todd Phillips is bad, or even Judd Apatow is bad, but, like, the fact that, like, like I could watch modern romance with my parents, you know what I mean? I couldn't watch Knocked Up with my parents. My parents would be like, this is uncouth, I cannot handle this. Mm-hmm. Like, and so there's like, a, there's, like, a level of, I don't know, there's, like, a level of class, but it's also not, like, um alienating in a way that like a Noah Baumbach film can be sometimes like I don't know like these movies are just fucking also when they cast people they cast like good actors that like makes I don't know it's not just like fucking some dude ripping for four hours I don't know that, I love well, that's this. the thing is the humor in modern romance is I don't mean clean in kind of a prudish kind of way I mean it's clean as if it's like every scene he enters in whether it's like when he does take the quaaludes or he goes to buy the sporting goods mm-hmm. or he goes on the date with Ellen. Um, there are these, they are these like contained perfect sketches about <sighs> this monster. 
basically so good. navigating 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 los angeles yeah and but it all makes sense too and kind of the rhythm of the movie and kind of where it goes and how his, his poor 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 girlfriend oh man that poor uh, mary mary, mary harvard <laughs> oh my god what a poor what a roller coaster this lady has strapped herself to but uh, I think which... albert brooks doesn't try and get you on his side I think no. that that's kind of the difference between a lot of the modern romantic comedies um, yeah. better from the point of view of a man. Albert Brooks is like well aware of what kind of dude he's presenting. <laughs> and, and what's and what's also scary about it is like you have there are moments where that are relatable. And yeah, it's, it's, and it's horrifying for you. You have to reflect a little bit like. Like, oh, wow, in that one dark moment, I saw a little of myself. I don't like that. I don't, <laughs> like, you know, obviously not to the insane extent of Robert Cole. Like, a, <laughs> but, like, it's it's a good, it's a good, it's, I think. It, it, it's heightened to such a level. Oh, but, you know, yeah. Real quick, but interesting thing I, I was thinking when you brought up Judd Apatow is the fact that, um, you know, Judd Apatow is one of the premier comedic directors but the guy he actually wants to be and he said so in the press is james l brooks those are the kind of movies he wants to make if you look at a movie like funny people that mm -hmm. is an attempt at a broadcast news type movie yeah. it just um it's not as um tight no it's 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 because his style involves being kind of a little bit looser which is you know can be really fun and enjoyable yeah that has its uh, value because i and i like some of that riffing stuff me like too. I'm, yeah, yeah um but uh but i think like both of these movies are so well edited and so like modern romance it state doesn't overstay its welcome it's like a crisp like one hour and 34 minutes i believe yeah just I mean, like the right in the right down the middle right down the place terrific. <laughs> you know? and even like uh uh terms of endearment two hours and 12 minutes for a story that like spans like 30, what 30 yeah. years <laughs> insane it's it spans so much time but it works perfectly i mean literally an entire lifetime and as we move into these movies a little bit more officially we should say um spoilers are on the table every we oh, in yeah? particular <laughs> with um you know we'll be we'll be spoiling spoofs and goofs from modern romance and we'll be spoiling um one of the great tragic conclusions in uh, terms of endearment oh so, man uh, i have a lot to say about that too so but first you know we didn't talk last week and i don't know why um we didn't tell about talk about our origins first memories of brooks and brooks our brooks bios brooks brooks bio bio <laughs> brooks <laughs> yeah. yeah brooks bio slash brooks bio yes so uh patrick i mean um what was i mean obviously these guys kind of certainly represent work for adults so yes. as a guy as a child like um were, I mean, I, I have a feeling I, I know your answer, but do you do you have any me early memories of either of these two guys? No, you know what? Like, uh, I've obviously, as a youth, I saw the episode of The Simpsons with Hank Scorpio. Uh, That's I what I thought. Yeah. You know, it's probably the the closest for our generation with these oh, guys. Oh, definitely. And then, um, you know, I saw As Good As It Gets as a kid. I feel like that movie was on, like, TNT or TBS a lot. 
And so I feel like I've seen that movie like two or three times, like at least like bits of it there. Because I have just I have memories of Jack Nicholson like avoiding cracks when he's walking down like uh, New York's uh, sidewalks and, you know, um, his like quirky performance in that film. Uh, trying to think of like Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks is like a true, was a true uh, non eat. You know what? Finding Nemo. That was probably what yeah. everyone. That's truly because I remember um, Finding Nemo was also kind of like the movie that like every family with a small kid owned on DVD and like from like 2003 to 2005. That's like the movie that every child under like four or whatever would watch if you wanted them to be quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I had a lot of cousins that were raised partially on Finding Nemo, younger cousins. It's, yeah, it's like uh, Frozen and Moana now. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Finding Nemo was yeah, like the the DVD generations. Uh, frozen. Yeah. 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 Disney Plus generation. It's Frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's. Frozen. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting too. Like looking at Albert Brooks's both their careers. I think as good as you're. That's correct about as good as it gets. Um, being pretty, pretty present. You know, in the late '90s, early. When did that? '97. I, I want to say. I could be wrong. Maybe '98. We'll get, well, I mean, obviously we'll be covering it shortly. But, yeah. um, we, we don't need to tell you right now. That isn't the movie we're focusing on. That's not the focus, but uh, no, it came out in 97. Good call. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, both him and Brooks kind of were, um, at least in terms of like their heavy duty auteur, auteurist um, output, they were heading toward the tail end of it. I mean, Brooks' last movie he directed was in 2005, and um, there was a six-year gap even between that. And um, uh, James L. Brooks, his last film that he directed was in 2010. Mm. And you know, and Albert Brooks is definitely, you know, in the recent years, whether it's through Finding Nemo or whether it's through his uh, supporting role in Drive has kind of reestablished himself as an interesting, not that he ever was not, but an interesting supporting actor and kind of, you know, as he's gotten older, he wrote a novel as well. But uh, yeah, they've both pop culturally up. I think, you know, the 80s and um, into the 90s were really where they were at their peak. I mean, James L. Brooks for me um, growing up, so we'll talk, we can, this will come up again probably a little bit later, but it's very interesting. Terms of Endearment around my household was always the movie my parents referred to as kind of the, in the same vein that a lot of people refer to other like bad Oscar bait movies. Wow. They hated it. And they all it had this like that was always my mom's example of a bad movie that won best picture and so that was all i knew up until like two years ago when i finally sat (laughs) down to watch it i watched it i called my parents afterwards literally right after it was over i was like yes i think this movie is pretty damn good like what are you talking about ah man i mean yeah yeah. i think it just doesn't really fit into their kind of uh, milieu of i mean we've We've kind of established my dad likes um, dude movies, for yeah. lack of a better term. And, you know, my mom likes much easier to digest mm. romantic comedies like, you know, send uh, 
send a 13 going on 30 her way and she'll she'll have a wonderful afternoon <laughs> but, i guess uh, yeah and and i and i understand like on on paper right because you know in theory you have like this kind of schmaltzy michael gore soundtrack and then you have that last moment where it takes such a sharp turn i can see reading that script maybe even and being like like isn't this like a little mu- like shouldn't like this doesn't like this progresses so weirdly uh, yeah. like it's so instant but like i think that's the that's like the magic like that's why that's why it's so effective is that like sh- sh- that it's it's masterful how he handles that shift it's i don't know it's in mm-hmm. kind of a, well, he does it in a strangely to say like a light human touch to it rather than rather than really like saying now is the time when the movie becomes dramatic mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that has to do with performance in yeah. particular deborah winger's performance which handles what happens and we'll talk about that when we get there in a moment um with real like pride and dignity yes and rather than there's no woe is me there's no big like i can't believe this is happening to me moments in it it's it's it, it hurts but it's accepted they, they they avoid like you're right they avoid all the traditional conflicts there's also never like a big and i appreciate this now thinking about it like there's never a huge fight between deborah winger and shirley mclean yeah it they just have differences yeah but they love but they always love each other you never doubt that they totally love each other yeah and i will say though that shirley mclean does get like the one big emotional scene when she's demanding the shot oh yeah in when and jenna was saying like, do you think that that's what got her the best actress over deborah winger yeah is that one and maybe. i think it may have been i think it yeah. may have been because yeah. i mean i but and you know this movie was in terms of was also quite fraught with behind the scenes drama which was really in the moment as well oh my but, god uh, i want to i want to know this drama yeah, very i want to hear the hot goss extremely tense set um Holy but shit. i was gonna mention to you like so my first albert brooks memory is actually this fairly one of the more forgotten films in his entire uh catalog which is called the scout which is with Brendan Fraser mm. is co-stars with him. And um, Albert Brooks plays a uh, scout for the New York Yankees who discovers this um, doofy farm boy uh, who's, got a ro- who's got a rocket arm and brings him to the Yankees. And he's this brilliant, he's like the greatest baseball player, but he of course <laughs> is like, boy, New York City, wow. <laughs> you know, oh and, man, where can I get a corn on the cob? And Albert Brooks has to learn to grow heart and be this guy's surrogate father. And because this bad, you know, it goes from there. <laughs> but, you know, we were such like insane baseball fans and baseball house and that kind of stuff. So any movie that had even remotely baseball like the tangential baseball relations Mm -hmm. we watched it yeah i'll put this out i'll put this out there baseball uh i don't know if it's the most entertaining sport but it definitely has the most entertaining history and the best movies i think it's cinematic i think baseball is really really cinematic and it's easy to because you can slow it down Mm -hmm. compared to like football moves uh, so fast it's hard to um capture the action and fake the action all due respect to any given Sunday, of course, but oh, um, yeah, yeah. they're the one that did it. And same goes with uh, same goes with basketball. That's why so many basketball movies are about the coach, because he's a guy you can like 
or she's a person who you can um kind of right. focus in on and that kind of thing a lot more than the play and you can't really fake it like you have to get a real basketball player because no one would buy like tom cruise in the nba <laughs> yeah. you know? and you'd have to use some insane cgi mocap did you see tom cruise <laughs> at that baseball game the other day no i did not he went to a dodgers giants game <laughs> he was in the crowd and i called it before jen was showing me the clip but i go I go, I will bet you $100 right now when they say, who are you rooting for? He just goes, man, I just love baseball. <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, what, a, what, what a cypher. We love him, folks. <laughs> you, you love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. Uh, was he also like, uh, ooh, food. Don't mind if I do. Like, <laughs> it's like, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of food. <laughs> yeah, big fan of food. Uh, different shapes, different sizes. Put it in my mouth. Yum, yum. It's just a regular human being. Yeah. <laughs> like Jackie Daytona. What we do in the shadows. I love food. Um, <laughs> I love to see Matt Ben Matt Berry as Tom Cruise. Oh, that would actually be really, really, really funny. <laughs> he is like, I think Matt Berry might be the funniest Englishman alive right now. Sorry, he's, Steve Coogan. He's um he's in the running. He's definitely yeah. in the running, but, um, but yeah, uh, the scout, I guess, um, Albert Brooks co-wrote it with Monica Johnson actually, oh, and, cool. but he did not direct that one. I believe Michael Ritchie, the great Michael Ritchie directed that one. Let me, um, we have the technology to double check these sorts of things, but, um, but yeah, I, mean, I remember being, being good, but I think there was some level, like it didn't, it didn't reach the major league um rewatch level of baseball movie that gotcha. we, that that we were at that yes michael ritchie who directed things like you know downhill racer and smile and um the candidate one of my favorites oh wow yeah uh also did the scout with uh brian fraser but that was my first kind of memory of albert brooks and then i saw him in uh he's in out of sight which was one of my early favorite movies when i was in high school oh that's cool i want to see that movie i need to see that film max that's a movie i've been needing to watch oh, for a while yeah you'd like it. it's really it's a yeah. really true it's a terrific film and uh yeah he kind of shows up out of nowhere in that one you're like oh wow albert brooks but then yeah but it's so it's been a real treat digging in over the last few years with uh both the both of these filmmakers you know i think that there's so much like just a wealth of like enjoyment and feeling that you get from both these movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, now we can, you know, move into where we, le- you know, where we left off, both have uh, made their um, feature, feature, you know, James L. Brooks didn't direct it, but he produced and shepherded and wrote uh, starting over Albert Brooks, of course, did uh, real life. And, you know, they move into the eighties, which is really where these two guys kind of reach their, um, their apex in the world of cinema yeah um and you know as uh the 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 albert brooks between real life and modern romance did an appearance in a film called private benjamin with goldie hawn which i've never seen but i definitely remember the video cover (laughs) i've seen that cover of like i think it's like goldie hawn with like a a helmet Helmet. Yeah, Yeah, yeah it's like she's like in the thick of it in vietnam or something Probably yeah. not the probably not the plot of the movie, but but um, <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't until um, 1981 that Albert Brooks returned to the scene with Modern Romance, uh, directed by Albert Brooks, mm-hmm. written by Albert Brooks and Monica Johnson, 
uh, starring Albert Brooks, Catherine Harold, a saint, Bruno Kirby, mm. James L. Brooks. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and yes. Yes. <laughs> our, our first true, our first very interesting connection between these guys. Um, George Kennedy as himself. Ah, uh, he rules. He crushes and it. And in a one scene cameo, uh, Bob Einstein, Albert's brother. Um, and, you know, I want to spotlight real quick before we dive into the movie. I just want to give a shout out to the really kind of someone who, you know, Monica Johnson, who co-wrote last week's real life, modern romance, lost in America, mother and the muse with Albert Brooks. And um, to me, she seems like a very an extremely unsung person, a really strong comedic mind who clearly could help Albert Brooks define and build out the Albert Brooks character and kind of the Albert Brooks style and philosophy. And, mm. you know, he, you know, he's declared, and I think rightfully so that he's brilliant and all this kind of thing, but this is clearly someone who um, deserves credit. And I was doing a little research beforehand, not someone who's not really not much has been written about. She unfortunately passed away at 64 in 2010. Oh, bummer. Of esophageal cancer. She was survived by her seventh husband, which makes it seem like she lived quite a fun. Whoa! Fun except you know, that's some like Garrett Breedlove energy. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and um, but I mean, interestingly enough, wrote for the Mary Tyler Moore show, which means cross paths with James L. Brooks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote for Laverne and Shirley um and wrote for it's gary shandling's show oh that's so and cool. clearly i mean we kind of mentioned it before shandling and brooks have some similar energy oh yeah 100%. style yeah and um yeah and i just you know want to give i mean i wish there was more info out there i wish that um this is this this seems like someone who should be praised yeah more, because these are she has her hand in quite in these at least with her work with Albert Brooks and some of the great cinematic comedies of the era. Oh, and I feel like um, Monica Johnson, like her uh, her involvement, I believe cannot be understated because I believe in order to have a character written like Rob uh, Robert Cole in Modern Romance, you need someone that's sort of outside of Albert Brooks. I think that. Yeah. I think like having someone who can like comment and critique and be like, uh, this is what I find weird that, you know, when I'm dating men or what men perhaps even perhaps even be tough on him. Yeah, honestly, yes. And it's like um and that's missing in a lot of other, like you've said, modern romantic comedies, kind of that uh, you know, the outsider given the tough critique. And so uh hundred percent Monica Johnson, huge part of uh brooks's career man now i want karina longworth to do uh the brooks brooks johnson the only thing the only thing that would uh be scary about that is that she would almost assuredly uncover like albert brooks was a prick or something like that oh yeah <laughs> like, that's i don't want to know that yeah maybe don't yeah maybe don't cover that please cover someone else i want him to be a weird saint who kind of just like hangs above it all and he, uh, he understands he understands american men of the 1980s completely yeah. <laughs> just look at cindy pollock don't look here <laughs> he's a truth teller yeah. but uh yeah i just think you know it's important to shout this shout her out because very clearly a great comedic mind mm-hmm. who um you know 
didn't really seem to totally get their due. No. Comparatively. I mean, you know, you start seeing that, start seeing their name when you're watching the Albert Brooks movies, you start seeing her name in the credits. You're like, oh, who's this person who's like, always seems to be collaborating with him. And, you know, we need to know more. So I better people than us, better researchers, people who it's their job, you know, love to see some sort of profile at the very least that kind of dives into this. Just looking at her, um, just looking at her Wikipedia, her filmography, there's a movie called Jekyll and Hyde Together Again that she's, I want to see this movie. It looks insane. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, yeah, it's a good poster. It's a good poster. Post, the poster is very that, good. Um, it was directed by Jerry Belson, who was her husband. Wow. As well. Um, yeah, I mean, boy, I love when just movies hat in the 80s hey that's a movie you know it's yeah uh, you know they're, they're those great vibes it's just like you know, somebody 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 out there wants to see this do they yeah. i don't know yeah uh leonardo da vinci art cop why not make yeah. it yeah hey he, he gets off some crimes yeah yeah attach a uh, a young uh tom berenger to that role have fun you know you know who you know who looks like a tough vice squad officer Wayne Gretzky. Let's yeah. put him in it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can uh, incorporate some sort of uh, uh, martial art inspired by hockey. We can yeah. get some guy to do that. We can yeah. get the Jim Cotta guy. Yeah, get the Jim Cotta guy and rewrite it. And <laughs> it's on skates now. Yeah, <laughs> skate foo. It's great. Done. It may, oh, done. Sold. Yeah. Hollywood, <laughs> you got it. Yeah, here's your check for $2 million, sir. In Go Hollywood. To you can have that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on us. Yeah, on us. On us. Yeah. But you owe me. You owe me. Yeah, you owe us. We're gonna come for you. Yeah. We're, well, we are not. Uh, we are not Albert Brooks and Monica Johnson. <laughs> that is true. We can't. Yeah, we don't have. Yeah, we don't have the vast resources to fund uh, weird romps about uh, martial arts inspired by niche sports. Sports. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the. Um, <laughs> The basic plot line to modern romance, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not exactly the most plot heavy of movies, but it's about a Hollywood film editor, a regular Hollywood guy driving his Porsche, Robert Cole, who's cutting a new science fiction film starring George Kennedy, who's playing himself, who is in a relationship with, I love that Wikipedia says, very patient bank executive, Mary Harvard. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Objective facts. Like, yes, <laughs> true. Like, if this was in a Britain, an Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, 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 you know, uh, in, in, entry, that would pass the test. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they call it like they see it. And, yeah. that's, yeah. <laughs> and um, his relationship, that, you know, caught between undying devotion and endless agony. <laughs> it's uh. all because selfish robert is a bit of a self-involved neurotic <laughs> just a bit just a hair <laughs> <laughs> and uh kind of bounces back and forth between breaking up with her and stalking her because he wants her back <laughs> and yeah insane insane <laughs> going out on failed dates buying weird gifts yeah uh, that works going going through her mail and calling her phone records um, oh god there's a scene at the end where they go camp they go to a um, like a cabin together and he's like walking her into the other room with her hands he goes, it'll be perfect 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 i'm like he's gonna kill her yeah 
this, yeah. Yeah, this ends with her, him ritualistically eating her kidneys. Like, that's the I, only I, way. I've, I've seen myself a few Cabin in the Woods horror movies. This is how they go. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is how, this is like the cabin from Evil Dead, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's, and I know that that sounds very, um, that description sounds like it could be painful. It could be um, uncomfortable. It is. Oh, and that's totally. kind of, but that is also the, that is also the point. Um, oh yeah. Oh, it's... And it has just so many funny elements to it. And, you know, every scene kind of, we alluded to earlier feels just like a magical, perfect extended sketch of this yes. guy just digging a hole basically oh yeah and not just like in his own life but like everywhere this man goes he he fucking carries a shovel because like he'll like go to a sports store and be like okay i'm gonna start running and it ends with i don't want to like give away some of the jokes but like it's so like he has like an encounter with a one bob einstein who like i can't believe these two men's came from the same loins they're so they're so funny yeah they're so funny but two also so different like bob einstein carries himself so confidently he it's just like he like makes fun of like the alpha male, whereas Albert Brooks is clearly living in the world of the beta male. Oh yeah, like hundred percent. Like yeah, it is such a uh, yeah, like a Burt Reynolds versus uh, Dustin Hoffman, like that level yeah. of like just difference. It's very good. Um, golly, the uh, um the scene. There's a scene later on too where Albert Brooks and his. Uh, equally patient assistant editor bruno kirby oh my god um, god bless bruno god kirby. bless bruno kirby we're big big fans here at the academy academy this yeah. is the third possible academy academy hall of famer in the future we, this is the third time we've run into him and yeah, it's and, always a treat and this is like he's so good but continue continue but there's this scene where they need the right footsteps for george kennedy and they go into the sound mixing booth of the sound mixing guys <laughs> By the end, when Albert Brooks is running around with a water jug, <laughs> trying to screaming, and they keep cutting back to the sound mixers who just want to leave. <laughs> it's just... uh, the most like union guy, like uh, like uh... there is like who is this asshole? Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, they're like yeah, because they're just like they're two working men, and then you see these like this one neurotic freak getting chased by Bruno Kirby in a circle. That's also like the funniest part is like the movie they're making is like Battle Beyond the Stars. Basically, it's a Roger Corman movie. So it's like none of these guys give a shit. They're all just there for the payday. Yeah. The funniest part of the director of the movie is James L. Brooks, who gets who's also a complete neurotic basket case. Oh, man, he's so keeps wanting to change every I had a dream last night. I think it needs to go this way now. It's just it's he's so flighty and so like then Albert Brooks has to, you know, react to him. And they're there. It's just Albert Brooks really has a touch for both celebrating and completely eviscerating Hollywood people. Yeah, he does it in a way that's like totally brutal, but also kind of like endearing. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, like I don't like necessarily like uh, uh, I don't like hate James L. Brooks in this movie, but <laughs> no. it's also like really funny seeing this person be so passionate it's just really funny seeing these people care so passionately about yeah like a sub black hole level sci-fi movie like just like something clearly probably shot in italy 
you know, just yeah, to make a. Well, to, I mean, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a George Kennedy fan, but George Kennedy in the 1980s wasn't wasn't exactly like. Oh it yeah, wasn't Burt Reynolds. I mean, like, no, this, this is like George George Kennedy was like the first guy who like filmed shit in Bulgaria to yeah. like cover stuff for like he was like he pioneered in that style of filmmaking where it's like okay I'm a little beyond my expiration date I'm gonna go to like Yugoslavia and film <laughs> I mean, this yeah and he's he you know all over the, he's great he's, oh he he's rules terrific. he's so good he's, he's funny in this too I, oh I love his cameo in this it's great he rules uh also I want to say this really quickly uh the cinematography is like a guy named uh a guy Eric, named Eric Saarinen Sa- Saarinen why not yeah 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 Saarinen uh, we're probably getting I'm probably getting that wrong but no worries but uh and he did like uh, the hills have eyes right yes uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. but you know who the camera operator for this movie was his camera operator fucking Frederick Elms oh no kidding I did not see that I looked this up the, the only reason I, I watched it on Amazon and that was just one of the things I was like no fucking way and it's like yeah the dude does all the cinematography for like Jim Jarmusch and David and Lynch, Lynch. Yeah. and you can see the swooping it's so expertly shot one thing I really admire about Albert Brooks and you'll we will see it moving forward throughout his film he he really does have a good eye he like as a like he has a he's he's very cinematic yes in his, in his moves and his choices and where he sets up camera and that kind of thing and um yeah you could tell he 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 really is kind of the full package as a comedic filmmaker yeah like what is, you're looking for which is like another reason why he's so superior to what i think a lot of modern comedy fare because like God, I feel so bad for like reaming on because Judd Apatow is fine. Like he's I like, great. I he's love great. funny people. I'm like one of the few people that love the show Love. But uh, but I think like one thing that's interesting about his movies is he'll get these great cinematographers like <laughs> Jadis Kaminsky, the guy who fucking you know does every Spielberg movie under the sun, and uh, you can't tell it's you know him doing it. And or, like, then he's like. Let it right so Jonah Hill can riff for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, know? and don't yeah, don't do anything interesting with the camera. Just keep keep yeah. it on Jay Burishell's mug while he talks about his boner for four minutes. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> Yeah, and I think like, you know, we were talking about this idea that these are like these perfect sketches. That also goes along with how he shoots them. Like, I mean, the shot that when he does when he goes home and does the lids. And talks about how much he loves music. He's got so many great albums, which is oh, really, really so funny. Good. So good. <laughs> he goes through his Rolodex and he talks to his bird. It's all pretty much a wonder, but it's like he's moving, like yeah. the blocking oh, of it, yeah. the way he goes to the room, the way he picks up stuff. It, it does like amplify the way he keeps calling Bruno Kirby back. You know, should I come in? I think I should come in. I gotta work. You know, yeah, just... no, the, the like the camera follows him like the beginning of Touch of Evil. It's mm-hmm. excellent. Like it's just like, and it's so smooth and like I don't know, and 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 uh, dynamic. I think that's like, and then yeah. yeah, just the dynamism, like the fact that it is like this living, breathing aspect of the film, which so many comedies neglect. Yeah, they so many comedies feel so rushed and kind of so just so focused on making sure that they're getting the laughs. Yeah, but like Albert Brooks is so. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I guess the word I would use is he's like compared to his characters, he's so fucking confident, and yeah. he believes like this is what we're doing, this is what it's gonna be, and you're gonna like. In you know, his movies are not like. I mean, I think that's also why they're not um, blockbusters. You know, yeah. He doesn't you know they these are 
acquired tastes almost like oh, they're definitely. they're because they're sophisticated films too comparatively you know it's mm-hmm. not it's not Ace Ventura I mean oh know, yeah no there's a, there's no scene where Albert Brooks pretends to talk out of his butt <laughs> yeah I'd yeah, like to yeah. ask you a few questions very funny very yeah funny. very bad uh, yes uh, trenchant trenchant <laughs> Trench. <laughs> I will say I Ace Ventura does have the scene where I laughed harder than any other movie oh, when I was a kid it's the opening He's yeah. just walking down the street as a UPS guy, annihilating that package. <laughs> and I just like, for some reason, I thought the the balance between like, because I'd seen you, obviously as a kid, I'd seen UPS guys. I was like, what's he doing? <laughs> he like puts him in the elevator and it's like smashing it. <laughs> it's so dumb and simple, but it just like I almost pee my pants laughing. It was so funny. Yeah, no, and and I'm with you too. Like I'm not like some sort of like you know I'm not above it all. Like I love a dumb like yeah. McGru- like MacGruber. We, we, we're both we're huge. Yeah, fans. We, we have sung the song of MacGruber so many times on this show, and what a song to sing! And, but uh, <laughs> but uh, this tick, is- tick, guys, guys. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, we love it. We love yeah, it. Yeah, we love it. But this is this movie is clearly like attempting uh to be a little more sophisticated. Yeah, and the like um I don't know, to stand the test of time maybe as well. Like there is mm-hmm. like it like this movie like it ages like wine. It's, it's in especially in how men's bad behavior has been kind of brought to the forefront yeah in recent like watching this now you're like oh this is pretty prescient <laughs> like in a study of one man behaving not in not in any illegal sense or anything like that but just badly oh yeah no <laughs> just just a non-stop bad, badly <laughs> yeah not a good yeah and it's like also like a, a lovely antidote to like the starting overs and author authors mm-hmm. like it's such a the heroic and- man this yeah. is like yeah now this guy actually stinks. He's a stinker. This guy actually is a piece of poo. Like it, it rules. Yeah, all those other movies. The entire idea is like, can you believe a woman would ever leave this wonderful guy? Yeah. And this one is like, get this woman away from this yeah. guy. This guy is like on par with Freddy, or like <laughs> he either should have been a modern romance, like you know, in space and modern romance versus. And I, I actually, I have to give Catherine Harold a lot of credit because the part. Mm-hmm is difficult because it is it's purposely has to be a little elusive and a little um tough to read and a little almost surfacey and she does a really good job of going with kind of the comedic flow of it her timing's good you know she she represents both someone you'd be like yes i would like to get to know her more but she also represents someone who you're like you seem to be having this wonderful independent life you've got a good job you know, get away from this guy. Yeah, <laughs> leave, leave this, leave this man. At the end, when he's like, "Marry me," Jen, Jen was like, "We've seen this movie before," and every time she's like, "No, get the hell out of there! Like, don't marry this this jackass." Yeah, this guy. I watched like this is a movie where I saw Albert Brooks's performance, and I had to tweet like, "Oh, Albert Brooks would have been a great Joker. Like, he would have been a good. He could have done." totally like wonderful i'm not saying like i think jack nicholson's kind of perfect in that performance but i can see like a weird neurotic albert brooks playing opposite to michael keaton he just comes up to the like the bank teller goes listen i'm gonna rob you yeah just telling you that i'm gonna rob you do you want me to rob you you don't want me to rob you 
well, I don't want to rob you, but I have to rob you. You just look like kind of like yeah. Toys. It's 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 kind of my thing. Like <laughs> she, she doesn't need a gun. He just needs to be long winded and annoying. <laughs> Which honestly, it's more true to the character. Like great. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he's like with like Jay's henchman. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna uh, my uh, my clown mobile and the batteries out. Can you just can you rob the banks for the day? It's 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 so yeah yeah. He's like has car trouble. If he he's like, can I get a ride? I'm going to the bank. I'm rob I'm, I'm rob- robbing the bank. You don't look like you want me to rob the bank. I won't rob the bank. Okay. I gotta oh. rob the bank. I need to I, rob. I, the bank. I, I, I need to rob. <laughs> just everyone is just pestering. Eventually, the whole city just capitulates to whatever. It's like, he gets arrested. Do I have to wear the cuffs? I mean, I understand. I you, you have the handcuffs, but yeah, here goes. I have I have thin skin around the wrists. You don't understand. I have thin skin. The judge is like, you know, you're. This was a misdemeanor, but you are so annoying. This is now a felony. It is like. The thing they got right so right on Seinfeld that everyone hated the ending of Seinfeld, but I was like, yes, th- these people belong in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's> like, <laughs> the world would be a better place. Put them in the Magneto prison. The world, they, need to be, they need to be away from society. <laughs> Very honest. Like, we have created these awful people who are not criminals, but they're just awful. <laughs> yeah. No, Kramer should not be trusted. <laughs> well, clear, oh, clearly. <laughs> oh, ooh, oh, hey, uh, but you know interesting thing so this movie has a made about two two point eight million at the box office which isn't gigantic numbers it has an 82 percent on rotten tomatoes which is okay but i for a movie i think is uh one of the better comedies frankly of the last you know 30 or 40 years mm-hmm. um Crank that, crank that number up, folks. Uh, yeah. Critical consensus is modern romance contains all of the hallmarks of Albert Brooks's best work. Darkly funny, confrontational, and chock full of pithy observations about human behavior. Um, interesting thing that I've heard, too, and it's on the Wikipedia page, but I had also, I've heard this elsewhere, is that um, Stanley Kubrick was a huge fan of this movie. And I guess he gave albert brooks a call afterwards and says how did you make this movie i've always wanted to make a movie about jealousy wow <laughs> and you know you could see it and yeah you know, I, you know I, I couldn't help but think because he did because eyes wide that's a huge theme of eyes wide shut that he made later on mm-hmm. and all i could think about was like boy albert brooks in the sydney pollock part in eyes wide shut would have been um or albert brooks's tom cruise <laughs> oh my god <laughs> she would have turned the vibe of the movie but it would, it would have been so funny just is my wife cheating on me i gotta take a walk through new york i'm gonna find a pro. i'm gonna find a prostitute yeah i'm, I'm gonna put on this mask <laughs> the the password the password is fidelio <laughs> <You know? laughs> who comes up with this you know, yeah. <laughs> well i know that he thought about steve martin for the for the lead role in oh, Eyes Shut first whoa, time. Whoa, really? Yeah. I like that, actually. Yeah, I, I, I think, like, he, uh, Kubrick had a very good understanding, though, of good, of both good and bad press, and putting Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in it was the oh. correct idea to put the movie over at that, in the late 90s, the correct idea to put that movie over the top to get people talking. Oh, yeah, that's, like, definitely the, yeah, you can't, when you have, like, that power couple like that, you can't mm-hmm. just, uh, 
you can't just yeah you can't leave that on the table but totally. you can see because this movie is it goes beyond it's it is like surface level it's super duper funny but kubrick is correct that the kind of overriding themes of anxiety jealousy kind of the deeper themes make this movie a deeper movie a more interesting movie and you know frankly a more difficult movie probably for i mean i could imagine my um my mom would last five minutes on, on this movie i think um, <laughs> i don't know if my uh, i feel like my parents uh i think my parents would like this movie i'm not sure because it's so funny i actually did a uh uh i watched another movie i kind of went ahead and watched uh, defending your life recently again and my folks loved it. And I watched that with my folks too, and yeah, they liked that one. Yeah, too. that's like a soft. That's a softer Brooks. That might be mm-hmm. the thing. Is like this is like if if all if Brooks films were cheeses, this is definitely a very veiny blue cheese. This is not yeah. for everyone. You know, this- another another interesting thing I would say is too is like <laughs> what makes this actually so good, even compared to these, is that um, you know, he's been compared to cinematically, not personally, uh, with Woody Allen, mm-hmm. and. But the difference is, is that Woody Allen was always so arrogant about himself that he really couldn't take himself down a notch and examine his own behavior mm. in a real critical eye in the way that Brooks does. And I think that that, you know, point Brooks for that, because I think you need to. Yeah. If you're, you need to, if you're going to create a character at this extreme, you can't make him also like cool cool yeah early early not saying that woody allen makes his characters cool but you would he's not the hero (laughs) yeah 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 right this movie does not have a hero it's just kind of a study of yeah yeah, Yeah. a study of (laughs) jealousy anxiety and the ultimate neurotic guy and you know i think it i'll speak for you this gets a full academy academy um uh recommendation yeah 100 percent. i think it's like um it has like the funniest moment uh, in a movie that i've laughed the hardest at out of all the movies you've watched i, mean, I don't even want to say it because i kind of want to leave it a surprise for the audience but uh it's like uh it is like a it's a stone cold comedy killer like it's really funny but then it's also terrifying in some regards and um just it's it's the way that it is just kind of like showing the natural maybe not the natural end game but like what happens when you take these like neurotic like tropes and like push them all the way up to 10. Uh, I don't know. It's incredible. Yeah. Great. Good, yeah. Great film. Give it a there, watch. There's, there was a joke in this too. Same for me where, I mean, so he decides to take out a woman on a date. Who's not Mary. Yeah. Named El- and named Ellen who he barely <laughs> knows does not really recognize. <laughs> <laughs> he picks her up with this like, sappy michael jackson song is playing over the stereo <laughs> he starts driving and they're kind of quiet and the camera's on the foot of the car we're watching albert brooks's face it's a single shot and i'll never forget the first time i watched it, i was with jen and jen goes he's gonna go around the block and just drop her off again <laughs> and i'm like really he goes she's like yeah it's perfect <laughs> uh man i love <laughs> i love it when you can like uh, watch a director's oeuvre or like kind of like get a sense of a film and then sort of figure out what every how everything's gonna go down just based on like prior context clues yeah 
Yeah, and like it's, so, it's so satisfying. I mean, it's like a callback when you're watching an improv show at the end, like when they tie shit together in the third beat of a Herald or something like that. You're just like, bravo. Yeah. You know, you that, that's it. that's what you want. You Because, you know, if with comedy, you the audience really wants to be a part of the game mm-hmm. that's happening and kind of be ahead of the puzzle and being able to like, oh, that's, you want to give them what they want basically once they know what the game and they know what the rules are of the game of the comedic game and albert brooks is really good at, yeah at, i mean he's really good at comedy he's just <laughs> what yeah. a stu- what a, that's a you must remember this level analysis <laughs> albert oh brooks my god is really yeah. good at comedy <laughs> yeah albert brooks good uh, <laughs> me love but, him yeah, yeah i gotta say you know as controversial as it may sound lebron james he's good at basketball I mean, oh, what the hell? those are those. That's the kind of analysis you're coming to the academy. Yeah, exactly. For. Although, like here, I'll give you. I'll tell you what. LeBron James good at basketball. When it comes to acting, he's no Meadowlark Lemon. <laughs> Goddamn, his like little cameo was so good. Like, yes, you're I right. Want, yeah, I want a movie about that guy. <laughs> but he comes up to Albert Brooks and is like, "The person you came with is beautiful." <laughs> Brooks is just immediately like, "Oh no." <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, and then again to the comedy rules though by this point the movie you second you hear someone say that you're like oh this is not gonna go well for robert he's not going to react appropriately yeah he can't yeah he's yeah he cannot handle meadowlark lemon I know. <laughs> like it's like adonis this like alpha me. basketball player comes oh yeah yeah immediately just five iotas cooler than robert it's a wonderful movie, folks. Yeah. It's like it really is one of the best. Can't recommend it more. Yeah, none of these movies feel like a chore. Say so sometimes you'll watch a movie on the pod and it feels like a bit like a chore or something. Yeah. Like even like a nicer movie something, but like man, this movie was fun. I liked yeah. it. It's good. Just yeah, I mean some of these especially you know, you already brought up defending your life. I mean, these are like movies that I'm just gonna like they're just in my kind of like collection now. Oh of, yeah. like movies I like and want to just you know well beyond the podcast just kind of movies i want i'm like oh yeah like probably watch modern romance next year oh yeah I, it's gonna be feels like it's a yearly watch kind of movie oh man i want to do like brooksathons now this would be he'd be so much fun because i feel like uh there's enough it's wild even though like every film has that unique brooks stamp i think there's like enough variety especially when you look at real life compared to modern romance compared yeah. to defending mm-hmm. your life Wait till, like, the, wait till the next one too. Lost in America is equally a, a fascinating, funny, amazing movie in yeah. its own right. And and I think like you can't. Um, I think there's enough variety where you, I think you could watch like ten of his movies in a row, and it wouldn't feel like like you wouldn't get brooked out. You know what I mean? No, I you you like if you if you really like get into his voice and style. Um, this, these are endlessly satisfying and pleasing movies i mean I, and you know he's you know when they just did the defending your life criterion edition i mean the guy who wrote the essay praising it through the roof was ari aster i mean so funny you know and you know ari aster stanley kubrick you know down the line like a lot of filmmakers who don't make comedies really but also you could argue that ari aster and stanley kubrick have both made actually quite funny movies but they weren't labeled as such. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> famous lauded kooky comedy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some, some uh, hereditary. Yeah, hereditary. Yeah, yeah. everyone's yeah, <laughs> just a, a regular, uh, a regular comedic romp. <laughs> but yeah, and I think like you know, you look at Midsommar though, and like the relationships, the relationship aspect of that movie about the bad boyfriend that she has who isn't like abusive in a physical sense or anything like that, but he's just a prick. And, and you can feel like, oh, there's a little bit of Brooks kind of sliding into this guy of like, she's keeping him around, but this guy kind of just sucks. And the socially he's, he's not called out for it because it doesn't scream abusive, but... Right. He's but just it, like he's at the end. Is. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, we, we can't recommend this more. And you know, Albert Brooks heading into the 1980s, you know, flying high as one of the you know most exciting comedic voices. Um simultaneously though, uh working on getting his project off the ground was uh James L. Brooks. Uh so and it took him until 1983 to release terms of endearment um written directed and produced by james l brooks based on the novel of the same title by larry mcmurtry uh starring deborah winger shirley mclean jack nicholson danny devito jeff daniels john lithgow um and in a brief voice cameo a brooks yeah as rudyard (laughs) (laughs) who's uh who's passing kind of gets the story started um so this one unlike this this is the golden crescendo touch that we've talked about james l brooks budgeted at eight million dollars released wide december 9th of 1983 this movie made 165 million dollars fucking christ it was um, wow it was one of the biggest hits of the entire year uh ranked number um it just um massive cultural touchstone in 1983 uh interestingly enough only has a 78 percent approval rating on yes. Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, consensus is, is a classic tearjerker. Terms of Endearment isn't shy about reaching for the heartstrings, but is so well acted and smartly scripted, it's almost impossible to resist. Um, it was nominated for a lot of Academy Awards. <laughs> best Sound, Best Original Score, Best Film Editing, Best Art Direction, two nominees for Best Supporting Actor, John Lithgow and Jack Nicholson. Two nominees for Best Actress, Shirley MacLaine and Deborah Winger. Best wow. Screenplay, Best Director, and Best Picture. It won five Academy It won Best Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, Jack Nicholson, Best Actress, Shirley MacLaine, Best Director, James L. Brooks, and Best Picture. Uh, Fuck this, yeah! Exactly. This, this is this is a winning project. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Uh, on all sides, um, just a, a a massive, like you know, massive cultural phenomenon to the point where, of course, my parents <laughs> claimed it stunk. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's uh, you know, as we alluded to before, you know, James L. Brooks pretty was you know again listen to the Korean Longworth podcast this movie is actually covered quite a bit in the Polly Platt season um Polly Platt 
was just a little bit of a background on her. She was the first wife of Peter Bogdanovich and worked on Targets, The Last Picture Show, What's Up Doc, and Paper Moon before they finally divorced because Peter Bogdanovich had started the affair with uh, Sybil Shepherd. Um, and obviously, if you kind of look at, and I don't want to talk out of school, but you look at Peter Bogdanovich's filmography pre and post his relationship with Polly Platt, um, there's a dip in quality. And uh, something he is apparently very, very, very sensitive to because um, he does not want to admit just how important this collaborator was in his life. But soon thereafter, she ended up joining forces. This is her first collaborations with James L. Brooks, but she worked at James L. Brooks's production company, Gracie Films, which you all know from the end of The Simpsons. Um, yes. Uh, for many, many years after that and shepherded broadcast news into the world, but also maybe just as importantly, she was in charge of the development of Cameron Crowe when they produced Say Anything wow. and Wes Anderson when they produced Bottle Rocket. And those two guys to this, Wes Anderson, when he won the Golden Globe for Grand Budapest Hotel, she was one of the first people he thanked. Wow, that's and nice. She, she has passed away since then, uh, prior to that, unfortunately, quite young. Um, but of real like, and you bringing up the idea of like, you know, in that podcast, Karina Longworth really does, does go into the idea that, yeah, she drove through Houston. She yeah. looked at all of these places. She really wanted to give this true blue lived in like authentic feel to this world that we're entering in terms of endearment, which is set, you know, in a very, uh, as you mentioned earlier, very specific Houston. Yeah. And it's like, it's not only does she, she gets the house perfectly. Because I watched that movie and I legit had like Proustian like, like, oh, I've been in houses like this before. Because like, you know, houses in LA, they have their specificities. Houses in Houston have their specific, like all these places just, you know, whoever the architects were in the neighborhood, they left their little marks here and there. Yeah. And like, you know, the gazebo is a very big, like that's such a River Oaks, like, you know, have this big backyard with your little outdoor fancy like gazebo in the middle of it. Uh, and by the way, River Oaks is kind of like the old money too. That's kind of mm. like, uh, you know, where the Houston equivalent of like the Boston Brahmin. Or it, it shows in how Shirley MacLaine dresses oh. and behaves. Oh, totally. She is. It's, it's really, and it's like a testament to like Larry McMurtry's skills as a writer, Polly, mm. Polly uh, Platt's skills as a, uh, you know, a production designer. It's, 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 uh, yeah, I was so. I was so enamored that I was willing to forgive uh, Danny DePito's weird. Sorry, the cat was eating the Peloton cord. <laughs> I've already replaced it once. Oh, <laughs> God damn. That cat needs to. You can, you, can get leave away. That in, you can leave that in the show. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that rules. Get that, get that um, get away from No, but like, I, it's like they do such a good job of just uh, capturing. And God, I would love to see if like Iowa people watch this movie and are like, yeah, that's how I was. Um, but, uh, but, and I was going to say, you know, it's funny. I was actually going to like knock Danny DeVito a bit for his accent, but he actually rules in this movie. I love him. Yes. I like it. I give him like the, he's like, Danny DeVito is such a good, interesting, charismatic presence that I'm willing to kind of forgive his like, uh, he may, he, he his, uh, it's like Al Pacino when he's doing yeah. like, yeah, who cares? You're always happy to see Danny. 
There's yeah. no question about and it. He, and he has the look. He yeah. He looks like a shit, like a shit slicker, like a city slicker. <laughs> yeah, like a shit, shit kicker. There we go. Yeah. Not city slicker. Shit kicking city slicker. Yeah. Um, and probably, probably was in the film because um, James L. Brooks produced Taxi, which was kind of Danny DeVito's breakthrough mm. character and performance, Louis De Palma on that show. Um, but yeah, this um, James L. Brooks is kind of known for he, he takes his time. He, he can, you know, especially when he started working in movies, I'm sure this wasn't the case when he wrote television, but um <sighs> could be a little indecisive so having someone like Polly Platt there to kind of help guide his um to get, get to get it done uh was quite helpful and we'll kind of see that as things progress in his career that the budgets and his movies really kind of balloon and to kind of shocking levels for what kind of movies he makes and a lot of that has to do with like tons of shooting days the big stars he draws in that kind of stuff um but yeah, as we mentioned before, this was an interesting shoot. Uh, kind of the, the thing that is most known is that Shirley MacLaine and Deborah Winger hated each other's guts completely. Wow. And to the point where I believe it got physical, even, between that's, the two of them. That's so um, sad. I did not know that. Man. Yeah, and which is makes, makes the, <laughs> the soul and heart. Yeah, you know, the good that's some good acting. You know, yeah, no, they're yeah, it's a testament to their skills as actors that yeah. they were because like I they see they seemed fine. Um, yeah, and know. it was you know, and it's a battle for a lot of ego. Who's mm-hmm. who who is the lead of this movie? You know, who's got the ear of the director, who's getting the best stuff? And um, you know, and I you know, Deborah Winger did get a repertoire reputation of being very very difficult um wow. at that time period and who's to say if that's any different than how difficult dustin hoffman was oh, or something well, like that yeah. i'm sure it wasn't at all i'm there <laughs> actors are weird regardless yeah. of gender and yeah, well I, and i think too like it's a thing where like uh classically like you'll have a guy who's weird on set and it's like oh how quirky he's a genius, he's a genius. Yeah. yeah and then if a lady does it it's like get this freak out of here yeah and, uh, yeah. yeah and i mean uh, clearly and i think she's this is my second time watching this film um a very like engaging presence you yes. like being around her you like kind of seeing where she goes with things um bring it back to last week too is that um garrett braidlove brooks wrote specifically for burt reynolds wow who turned it down no to do a film called stroker ace Uh, (laughs) a very burt reynolds move (laughs) no burt you had one job like this was this is the perfect burt role and burt said and leave it to burt for classic quote there are no awards in hollywood for being an idiot (laughs) (laughs) god God bless that wonderful man (laughs) yeah oh man and i guess so after bert they went to um harrison ford and paul newman who both turned it down whoa oh man harrison ford would have been so interesting but they um they they ended with the right man for the oh, job, I think. Oh, 100%. <laughs> this man who is just like the tr- Eros incarnate. The man born to play Garrett Breedlove, Jack yeah. Nicholson. Oh, it is such a, <laughs> and, like, uh, just him and Shirley McLean. Uh, have you ever seen, like, 
the birth of tragedy, Dionysian and Apollonian, so perfectly represented with two individuals. <laughs> you, the second you're like, I want to see them together. It's probably not going to go well. But <laughs> no, 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 no. These are these are two difficult people, and you know it's so funny that they they apparently. She said he was nuts, but a very enjoyable time to work with. <laughs> um, oh, I can see that. And uh, famously, the there is a part where they end up at the beach and they have a romantic kiss that he immediately gropes her <laughs> to, oh to ruin God. everything. Just, uh, yeah. that, that was improvised and her reaction is the appropriate one. Good, yeah, that. exactly. God, what a... F- just literally the fucking inc- like just the Tex Avery wolf like at this well, he's, point he's so funny he'll say something very very charm it's like oh we'll have a nice date he goes cool so then should we cut to the chase just get into bed and just like yeah. oh you blew it you blew God it damn it like yeah he's always like on the urge of saying the word pork like I'm gonna pork you like he's yeah just, oh man he, he's it's just it, Jack was so born to play it I think he's been he did it for the next 40 years <laughs> yeah he got like yeah his brain got lost it's kind of like uh one of those people that like, gets so deep into a role that he can't get taken out like this is like his tropic thunder moment where he's just he's trapped in garrett breed love yeah at least <laughs> a good natured if difficult cad <laughs> yeah exactly and, and like yeah and definitely not as like yeah <laughs> Not as just like full on like detrimentally horny as Garrett, perhaps. Yeah, maybe close. Maybe close. Maybe close. So, as we alluded to earlier, terms of endearment is the thirty-year story about a widowed mother, Aurora Greenway, who's played by Shirley MacLaine, and her daughter uh, Emma, who's played by Deborah Winger. And we just—it's basically a pretty, pretty simple story of their kind of trials and tribulations and relationships and ups and downs over the course of living in kind of middle America, basically. And um, Deborah Winger is a guy uh, named the original, the OG, Flap. Oh, <laughs> yes, we found, I saw, I, I saw that his name was Flap and I was like, folks, we got him. We, we got the original Flap. We found this, the flap. Is, this is big flaps to little flaps. <laughs> yeah, this is like the yeah, King Flap. This is what all King the flaps, flaps. All, all flaps come from this flap. <laughs> and he's played by uh, pre-Jeff Newsroom, Jeff Daniels. Oh, man. Um, who, I think, you know, Shirley MacLaine is really hard on him at first. You're like, he, he just seems kind of like a nerd. But she's kind of right basically about him he's he is kind of a layabout near-do-well who ends up cheating on Deborah Winger and um you know they end they proceed to have a bunch of kids to the point where Shirley MacLaine is really like are you sure you don't want (laughs) to yeah simple abortion (laughs) simple abortion that's the quote-unquote yeah that's like quote-unquote yeah Uh, and yeah they and they move around as he takes jobs at colleges he is our uh Academy Academy tweed jacket intellectual who has trouble with women of the 1980s uh, oh, yeah. man, man of the week <laughs> you, you bet you bet he's uh, when he's not having sex to the soundtrack of West Side Story he's definitely <laughs> reading a book bu- a book of collected short stories of Stephen Crane yes yes <laughs> for fun for fun <laughs> for fun he's oh my god like he's kind of like in this movie he's like Jim Halpert if Jim Halpert was like 20% more milk like if you up up to the milk levels I don't know it is, yeah it's 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 interesting and the office always like 
danced around what a loser Jim was. Yeah. And in a really in, kind of actually for a sitcom, very intriguing way about like every time he's put in charge, when Michael leaves the office, he does a bad job. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> he's like not good at it. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's he like uses humor to avoid his shortcomings. That is uh, actually, it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> and it's like, like you know, it will be the best character that guy, that actor ever plays, probably. I don't think, but I don't think that they knew that they were creating. Like, I think they thought they were creating, like, the cool white guy. Oh, the, totally. You know, who's funny and stuff. But it, as you watch it in retrospect, it's like, no wonder they had marital problems. This guy's, like, he's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, you know. he's, in, he's incompetent, and he's incompetent at, like, a paper sales job. Yeah. He, it's it's very interesting. But, but he plays like he's dispassionate and above it, but that just makes him almost worse. Yeah, well, that's because they never, like, give him, like, an actual, like, there's never, like, a point in the office where Jim just flat out says, I want to be an architect, or I yeah. want he doesn't but, have, like, yeah, because, like, Pam has that, at least. He doesn't have a dream outside of marrying the receptionist, but then he also acts like he's better than everyone. Yeah, which is, like, uh, they, which they should, and I feel like, yeah, you're right that the, um, perhaps the, the writing room, did writer's room did not realize that, like, they were creating that uh, dilemma by having him fail incompetently whenever um, Michael Scott leaves. Because mm-hmm. I bet, like, the, you know, people, it feels like the amount of thought they put into it probably was like, uh, it'd be so funny to, like, de- de- to defy expectations and have him actually kind of stink at this. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it is very interesting, and you're right, like, comparatively, I think that the Jeff Daniels character in this film has similar Oh, qualities and that a, yeah. was the um stamps.com our newest sponsor uh patrick and don do a little bit of analysis on the nbc television series the office of the yeah. week <laughs> uh next up uh, listen on as we uh dissect uh, chevy chase's role in community yeah some light analysis of must see tv <laughs> circa <Yeah>. 2006 <laughs> <laughs> you bet we're gonna cover the hit uh, NBC sitcom Go On starring Matthew Perry and Brett Gilman. Uh, go on. That's great. So as Jeff gets more distant, um, she meets a uh, a nice bank man. Oh, and another bank man would be another. God, this guy, this guy is like a flaps is flaps. He's like a uh, double. He's a double. Fl- he's flaps squared. The the, the semi hapless John Lithgow. Oh, so. Same same year as Blowout. Same year as Whoa. Blowout. Whoa! What a, what a man! What oh, a, he rules. The versatility. I'm mean, just amazing. God, from being like a total complete psychopath in that film to being just the most. Uh, Milk toast yet charming schlub. Yeah. Oh, just he rules in this movie. Yeah. So good. So they develop kind of a. And I, what I like about the movie is that she, she also cheats on Jeff Daniels, and it's not treated as there's no scolding or anything like no. that. It's just kind of, I guess this is thirty years in an imperfect marriage. Yeah. There is like this, um, profound like empathy in this film. Mm-hmm. for fuck ups like i think there's like this like uh like people are messy and this film does a good job of uh handling that and demonstrating that without uh 
providing you know moralistic commentary well i think that there's a real obsession in culture today and just in general about really really strongly defined good or bad yes uh this person is good this person is bad and most people kind of live in the near good gray (laughs) you know i would say in in my experience of meeting we're, people, we're, we're all fuck ups to some degree. Not that's not a bad thing. That's not like an evil thing. At some point or another, you're going to be blindly selfish. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, it's not a real detrimental way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're not gonna, yeah. Hopefully, you're not like robbing a bank with Albert Brooks as the Joker. Yeah. 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 I mean. <laughs> yeah, but. But yeah. So I and I think this because there are no um. You know, Jeff Daniels is probably the character in the movie that most people would say is kind of the, might be the bad guy. Yeah. The movie, but he's not. And he actually, he just is kind of like, he's just really imperfect. Yeah. He like, he does, he's, he does suck in, he does, like, like his character does some, has makes some poor choices, but there is like a sense, I think Jeff Daniels does not incredible job of intoning that he does care about his wife like yeah he's willing this is what you get when you cast a pro like jeff daniels yeah too that oh yeah he's able to do that delicate because like he never he never like leaves his kids he never um until you know uh it, it becomes apparent to his uh uh, to him that perhaps his wife wants you know something to occur we'll talk about the ending we'll in talk a moment. about the ending and yeah we'll get to yeah, the ending we'll in get, a moment. yeah we'll but, a little... uh, but yeah they kind of um they go through just she goes goes through ups and downs of motherhood and financial issues and relationships and it's yeah it's all incredibly grounded oh the yeah first, the first you know i'd say the first hour and a half first hour and 40 minutes of this movie really really grounded um and simultaneously you know they have to move to iowa for his job so her and um her mother are separated but there's the bond is still like we know that the most important relationship in the movie regardless of all these other ones is between them yeah and so that's never done meanwhile back in houston shirley mclean is getting suitor after suitor after suitor who's trying to including Danny DeVito, among others, who, you know, she's a she's a she's a pursued woman. Yep. And by she's the, like, by the classy men of Houston. Oh yeah. And it's just yeah, flaps after flaps. It's just Yeah, yeah. and not some of the weaker flaps of the world. Yeah, um, weak flaps. But she lives next door to a real wild man uh, by the name of Garrett Breedlove. The anti flaps. <laughs> retired astronaut. <laughs> Garrett Friedlove, <laughs> uh, played by Jack Nicholson, with um with vigor. What would it yeah. be? The, the, the character that they do such a good job. Of, he does he does a great job of playing this character. Larry McDermott did a great job of writing him, and James L. Brooks, you know, directs him perfectly. Like, because this is a person who could have been a fucking um a Thirty Rock character under different conditions. Yeah, and also a in to use the modern parlance, a bad guy. Oh, he is a jerk. He's bad. He is like. Let's make it very clear that he is like, like he's constantly uh, cavorting with a very much younger woman. Uh, he's drunk twenty four seven. It seems. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just insane. He's like, yeah, surprise. He probably hits like at least one deer a week with his fucking sports car. Like <laughs> driving home drunk and park. You know. Yeah. 
but because he's again casting because he's played by Jack Nicholson who is perhaps the all-time frisky cad in movie history oh yeah a guy I don't know if I trust him but do I want to like hang out all night with him and like see what happens yes yeah 100 yeah it's kind of like uh when those things are like yeah is this guy bad probably uh would I have a story of a lifetime yeah maybe you know (laughs) it's like I when you think about all I mean whether it's five easy pieces or the last detail he's you see even Chinatown to an extent you're like this guy is kind of a prick but at the same time, he is so charismatic and so interesting and so much fun to watch and him do his shit that yeah. you're like, yeah, I, I forgive you, Jack. I forgive you all your characters for how just wild they are. And I have to say, like, at the end of the movie, when he shows up at her hotel, it was like the first near, real near tears I did because it showed he was getting over himself. For something bigger to be there for this person that he does care for oh that's interesting see i watched this movie late at night i'd had a long day and like i almost here it is the academy academy i almost this is the, the closest i've come to crying i was so i was so close when they when you see deborah winger in the bed so you know spoiler alert okay let's just get into it We're, so we gotta get into it she goes to the doctor and they find some lumps yeah and we quickly find out she has terminal cancer and 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 initially (laughs) i was like they're not gonna because like i've never seen this movie before i really didn't know much about it and so i was like ah they're gonna like it'll be fine she'll probably it'll work out like in my head i was like 100 percent like this movie's too happy for it to go that bad it, it's a light dramedy. Yeah, it's a light. Time. Yeah, this is this is a goofy romp. <laughs> you know, are they gonna fall in love? Are they gonna stay with their men? Are they ever gonna get along? Yeah. Um, and the way they're brought together to get along and find peace with each other is literally through death. <laughs> the, the, the snubbing of the nicest character in the movie. The snubbing of the nicest character in the movie. Good natured daughter and mother. It's so cruel. It's like I watch it and I'm like. This is so fucked up. I'm so sad. The end of the movie is just a series. Like, if you're James O. Brooks, do you like look down at your pen and paper after you write like four of these in a row and you're like, man, I've got it happening right now. (laughs) This is is like I am firing on all cylinders. I mean, she has to basically go through and have like all of these emotional scenes one after the other with our entire like main ensemble cast and then you know by this point jack and shirley mclean have broken up because jack can't handle any level of commitment and he's freaked out by her grandkids um yeah but then he comes back and gives her a shoulder to cry on jeff daniels just break is breaks your heart because he just does not know what to do and he's so overwhelmed and hurt by it all. Yeah. And then, of course, Shirley MacLaine has, you know, this gangbuster scene where she lets it all let lets it all loose, where she's demanding a painkiller shot for her daughter and just screaming at every single nurse in the entire place to it, do it. And you know what? I almost can... certainly won her the Academy yeah, Award for this what? one I, scene. I can see some people that are like, oh, that's a bit too maudlin, you know, but fuck off. Like, that is such... <laughs> I was... That's like the scene where I almost, like, I felt the tears in my eyes and then and and my body like pushing back. I get so much. It's so much. And 
and then when she finally goes, Jeff Daniels is asleep in that chair, and they have that one final look oh, with man. her and her mom, and then Jeff Daniels like gets up and he just can't even, and it's just, and Shirley MacLaine's not even like this shows you what kind of like how on everybody was. She's like not framed correctly when she's doing the final thing when she's leaning over the bed saying I sh-, you know all all that she should have done. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's the best performance that they had. Without a doubt, they looked at it in the editing room and they're like, it doesn't matter. People will feel it, even if it's not framed correctly, if it is not a perfect shot, because she's so, it's so, you need it. Yeah. You need this so much. And it's just, and then she, of course, Deborah Winger also has a scene with her two sons where she has to basically say goodbye to them and tell them to be strong and great child actors by great the way child, yeah. not like, annoying child actors at all no, really good and what i love about the writing got, and got this, no they got no igors oh yeah there's no yeah no like yes yeah, like like a little four like 40 year old writer trapped in a 12 year old's body no, uh, they're kids they're yeah, actual they're, kids yeah they're kids and they're fallible like like see that's the thing i love like they they never they never have the traditional goodbyes where they commiserate with each other like it's all so imperfect and fucked up and sad because the emma character is so grounded and so she's not a dramatic person no she's she's a she's a very realistic person she's an emotional person she's not closed off or anything like that but it's just and she's she's so three-dimensional she's so kind to all of them and, and accepting of for, people's forgiving thoughts. and accepting yeah. yeah it's like the kid like you know it's inc- there's this yeah the oldest kid kind of has a bit of shirley mcclane in him he's well, cold and like does not and he also just has, you know well, she's, has a- she, she she slaps him they're walking to the parking lot shirley oh McClane that does. part was like just, just- brutal harrowing as well and well that's because they will just to be clear to give context he they, they had just visited the mom and for the, for the last time yeah for the last More time likely and you know and the kid is like he's clearly had a tough childhood the way they've lived their life not a lot of money not a lot of space i think he doesn't feel like he's dad, getting the dad accurate. is dad is quite distant yeah dad is distant and then uh he feel he's just there constantly like scrabbling for money i think he just he has a lot of like insecurity and rage in him yeah and uh it manifests in the form of detachment and he like refuses to really give like he doesn't give a good goodbye to the mom before she it's fucking heartbreaking and then and well then they cut over to the other kid the middle son who's bawling he's bawling his head off well that kid's (laughs) like the empathetic like all the kindness is in that kid like all the like yeah yeah maybe it's like a middle child thing too i'm not sure but like it's just it's so it's so sad and then like very very true of life yeah very true of life well and even like uh, i appreciate the smaller details like jeff daniels did sleep through his wife's death like yeah, yeah like I, I think a weaker movie would have had like him you know at and her side his uh, his emotional reaction i love the beat at the funeral where he slumps next to her friend patsy and kind of puts his head on her shoulder and he's like trying not to cry and finally jeff daniels is at this point of like this is so sad 
and I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so yeah. Every it's just it's just and grim. They just give beat after beat because they do this funeral, um, kind of aftermath of the funeral in the in the gazebo area yeah. of Shirley McLean's house, and everybody's there uh, from the cast, and you just get these wonderful little beats where like. Jack Nicholson takes the oldest son aside and like has a quick chat and like to cheer him up and you're like oh this is like Jack's character is growing and this kid finally has found a guy who can like who like a, a male figure who could be there emotional like kind of yeah. like try and understand him emotionally a little yeah. bit it's like it's, it's funny too because like it is like he is like i think the only th- type of person a nine-year-old kid can like with this type of like the type of like you know insecurity a, a, a stunted a stunted 50 year old man <laughs> yeah know? with a stunted yeah with a with a, a normally stunted nine-year-old kid or whatever like yeah like appropriately for his age and it's like yeah like you need like the spaceship man but yeah, and I think this movie could have really fallen into, you, you said the word maudlin, you said sentimental, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. I think there's this like, there's an empathy, dignity, and respect paid to the story and the characters in this movie that helps it raise far beyond uh, like a soap opera kind of story. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a beautifully made human movie. And I think it, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, what, you know, we could take a look at what it was up against in those years for the Academy, in that, in that year, mm. the Academy Awards, 56th Academy Awards, hosted by Johnny Carson. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and it was up against some pretty, you know, 1980s heavy hitters. It was a, The Big Chill was uh, nominated, The Right Stuff. Oh, um, wow. Which I'm a, I'm a big fan of The Right Stuff. Uh, Tender Mercies, um, Silkwood was this year. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that's and then, bit- uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, kind of standing there, it's hard to compare these things. And we know the Academy Awards really would. Ingmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander was this year. And I probably cinephiles would say Fanny and Alexander is the kind of the big one. Yeah. Um, of this group. But at the same time, like, this is a strong, this is a really strong movie. And it's kind of, you know, oh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone. Uh, where everyone was captivated by everyone's favorite man. character, Salacious Crumb. <laughs> everyone loved America had Salacious Crumb mania. We need more of that crumb. But I, I think <laughs> the lesser, the, the lesser known crumb brother, Salacious Crumb. <laughs> R Crumb and Robert Salacious Crumb. Crumb. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but I think like this is a really good example of kind of what Hollywood used to do best are mm. these like character dramas, character dramedies, because mm-hmm. there are light elements to this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we kind of talked about it with the Titanic episode about sometimes a good movie is a good movie, mm-hmm. regardless of if it's a little sappy or a little commercial or whatever, like a good movie, you, you know, you you have to regardless you have to praise a good movie you have to respect you know it's like and i think this is a really solid movie i i don't know you know it you know should have won as many academy awards as titanic or lord of the rings because it's very small scale comparatively but i don't care i like it (laughs) no but i think the thing too is like i think it feels even though it is small scale it it actually feels kind of 
medium to big for me because of the mm. scope of the film like mm-hmm. it does cover 30 years and like it's three over two different hours st- long yeah uh, three different states yeah there's th- just, yeah i guess it just feels because it is like you know nobody has nobody has superpowers there's no epic disaster yeah. or anything like that <laughs> yeah yeah flap doesn't have to doesn't have to collect the five gemstones of they're Anular. Not, they're not trying to solve the united states <laughs> historical problems and like internal rot or you know yeah. or, there isn't like a baby yoda type character the, the it's just these pretty and you know no one you know, we don't got a Michael Mann character in here who is extraordinary That's at what true. they do or anything like that. This is like the opposite of a Michael Mann movie in some ways. You know, and I know we compared, you know, Brooks to Mann a little bit last week. But, um, you know, I think, yes, this is totally opposite because this is this is literally just trying to present this story of a mother and a daughter who have their ups and downs. Mm. Nothing more or less to it than that. And you know what's wrong with that? Nothing. There should be you know, there, there should be a hundred <laughs> movies like that. Yeah, yeah. For real. Just like there's a hundred, there's hell a hundred superhero movies, a hundred social justice movies, a hundred you know bank robbery movies. I don't care. Just like yeah. we just we just want like a you know a good quality variety in our movies, and this is a good quality movie that you know this was my second time seeing it. I liked it just as much this time around, and again, it's just like if. You know, Jen in a couple of years is like, hey, you know, you want to watch this again? I'll be like, happily, happily, oh, I will watch this again. For real. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by how much I love this movie. Honestly, mm-hmm. like legit, the only critique I have, the only complaint is that there's a scene where uh, Garrett Breedlove is uh, driving Aurora to a restaurant. And, you know, at one point they're just like in the middle of like the country, like because the bit is like Aurora has his hair in a beehive hairdo, kind of like a wig. And uh, he's like, hey, I don't have the top to my Corvette. He has like a really fancy. I love his car in this movie, by the way. It's yeah, cool... well, it's a perfect car for the kid. I mean, another production design thing. Perfect car for the character. Oh, yeah. And that car is him. Uh, it's, it looks mm-hmm. like he drives Christine. But uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> legit. Yeah, but uh, 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 there's a moment where. Um, Aurora, <laughs> my car is instructing me to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I'm fucking my car. <laughs> this, ain't T- this is not Teton. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This era gear, uh, Jack Nicholson and Teton, he'd crush it. He would he, the, I he would be so good as the fireman in an American yeah. remake if it was, it was made in 1983. <laughs> oh, know? man. Okay, yeah. We got a, a Teton talk for another time. but uh, We will save the Teton talk. <laughs> yeah, no Teton for now. Not Teton time. We, we, and until Stamps.com gives us more of that sweet, sweet uh, sponsor money, we're going to uh, be holding Teton talk hostage. <laughs> and you bet we're just using that movie on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious cocaine. Uh, but, uh, podcasting has gone to our heads. We're yeah. out of control. <laughs> yeah, I have a yacht for some reason. It's not good. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 there's... The page, we don't even have a Patreon yet. Why'd you buy a boat? You're overextended. <laughs> oh, no. I really oh. did not have the money for this. <laughs> we only have like seven. Listeners, <laughs> you went to you went to you went to the boat dealership, and you're like, "My name is Jared Kushner. Give me this boat," and they believed you. <laughs> no, I did. I did the wimp. I did the wimpy technique. I said I'd gladly pay you Tuesday, and they bought it. 
whose fault is this really? It's uh, the boat dealership. Yeah, Let's blame the boats. Oh yeah, and Wimpy. Blame Wimpy. Uh, but yeah. uh, uh, root of all problems, Wimpy. But, but yeah, I, mean, I agree. Like you're talking about the part where. Oh yeah. Well, it's it's not her, even like a... she's like literally letting has to let her hair down. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that seems great. Yeah, but then the restaurant they stop at is clearly um Brennan's, which is like a really. Really fancy schmoozy Houston, uh, like a Louisiana cuisine restaurant. And mm. it's in the vicinity of River Oaks. They would not like the movie, like, has them driving in the middle of nowhere. It's like Jack Nicholson purposely drove out to the country and then came back to Brennan's. It would have been like yeah. just an insane. But besides that, like it's a fun joke. It's fine. That's just me being yeah. uh, the pickiest yeah. man on the planet. A little, a little bit of Houston local commentary. Oh, uh, you gotta gotta go to Brennan's. Gotta get that turtle soup where they put the brandy in it and then light the brandy on fire. It rules. Hey, go for it. Mm. You know, and you talk with your friends about some. Some sweaty, <laughs> a sweaty southern law case that's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm, I think I do believe I have to sue a gator. Yeah. Every, every, every table starts with, I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa, a lot of anthropomorphic chickens at this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're all, yeah. Hey, they're it's all eating. Giant. It's a giant chicken and a man with a mustache that covers his entire face. Yeah, it's like, is this like cousin It's like nephew or something? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, Texas has open carry laws, so I understand why he's got his six shooters. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Take off your cowboy hat when you're inside, sir. That's rude. Yeah, this is Brennan's. Yeah, this is this is Brennan's, sir. Yeah. An establishment. <laughs> This this guy, this old astronaut over here had to drive all the way out to the country and back to get a table here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Also so funny that he already has, like, fucking food when she comes back to the table. <laughs> well, he's, he's, it's, he's an amazing slob. And Jack Nicholson, you have to hand it to him, man. His shirt, his shirt off scenes in this movie... He's letting it all hang out. He, oh, there's no, there's no shame. Oh, uh, the part when he like opens the door and it's like it, it, it legit looks like something straight out of it, like an eighties porn. Like it's, him just like reading a book. Like, his robe is designed like to show his gut, like cleavage. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> has these like fucking tig ass bitties. <laughs> just like ridiculous. <laughs> so. Yeah, more actors like let let let's hey Kumail, you yes. really want you want to be brave? Don't do the Marvel diet. Do do the terms of endearment diet. Yes, Kumail, seventeen <laughs> baked Alaskas. <laughs> that's too many baked Alaskas. I don't know, man. <laughs> so so many. He gets so sick. Jack, Jack, this is gonna kill you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, me, me and Hopper did 18 once. This is nothing. Uh, I, uh, we've we, <laughs> uh, what a good. Oh, it's, it's, these are great movies, folks. Yep, they're like, good. They are really, really super fun. Yeah. In I their own ways. Them. Obviously, you're going to cry at the end of Terms of Endearment. I mean, oh. if, pa if Patrick came close, then you're crying. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried that I'll never be able to cry at any film because I feel like I should have cried at the end. Like, it's this, such this a. Is, this, is, this is one of the all time tearjerkers. Yeah. I don't. Of yeah. To kill a character as fun and full of life as, <laughs> as Deborah Winger's character. That we've gotten to know so well. Oh, in all 
in all and, facets. And she's so charming and so funny. And so she's kind of like the ideal version of like a manic pixie dream girl almost. But like manic pixie but, dream mom. Yeah, man, she's like a manic, but she's like a manic pixie dream. But like it's done like three dimensionally and like it's well, you like you get to know her, you get to know she what she wants, it's really interesting. What she really wants is just a family. And do yeah. be, she wants her kids. She loves her kids so much. Like she just wants to be a mother. Yeah. And there's wants- no obviously there's absolutely no shame no. in that being your dream whatsoever. Yeah. Like obviously it's not a very Hollywood dream, like to be the president or to be like a star basketball player or um Yeah, like uh, the, the the number one super cop or whatever. Single-handedly stop the Sinola cartel. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah. Yeah, this isn't yeah, this film doesn't take a, a, a crazy left turn and become Sicario. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Although that would rule if oh, Dennis Everwinger. That would be so funny, like they're going through that tunnel and Josh Brolin pops his helmet and then Shirley McLean pops her helmet and her hair is still perfect <laughs> underneath of it. She's like, how do you do that? How do you do? Let's do <laughs> it's like a, you know what a professional does? Two in the chest, one in the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, hollow point to the apricot, brother. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little gray on the border. <laughs> what? She's popping people like Benicio del Toro. Yeah, yeah. The Mike, the, the model in Michael Gore soundtrack is playing as she straight up murders half of like a crime in all of America and Mexico. Danny Villeneuve's like, I was very impressed by a realistic drug cartel movie, but I also love Terms of Endearment. Yeah. <laughs> I am a big fan of Terms of Endearment. I I'm love. A big, I'm a big Terms of Endearment fan. These are these are uh, Denny Villeneuve impersonations. <laughs> I actually told uh, Ryan Gosling to uh, channel John Lithgow's performance as Sam. <laughs> they wore the same jacket, and that is an Easter egg. Yeah. For you. It is also why uh, Ryan Gosling says, "Oh, you then you must be from New York." <laughs> I, I have to tell you, Patrick, the way you say Ryan Gosling in a French accent really is funny. It's good. It's, it's really good. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Gosling. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, we're getting goofy here, but you know, yeah. we're right, gonna wrap up here. In a sec. Yeah, we're done. This, this we're is done. these are two great movies. Brooks Brooks is a wonderful series. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we're being all that insightful on any of it, but. Maybe hope, hopefully we're just like it gonna inspire folks to step out and you know take a look at these films. Yeah, they're, I, they're real good. I feel dude, I'll tell you what, man. My mood feels good when I talk about them. My meal, my mood feels good when I watch them. I think it's yeah. like it just it's good for your brain to watch these type of movies. I don't know, like yeah, do it for your do it for your mental health, folks. Like <laughs> even though it's like you know, and I get it, like bad romance and. <laughs> Modern romance is very stressful, and uh, yeah. terms of endearment is very sad. Very but sad. at the same time, like they they do like they want to make you like give your mom a call or like yeah. go for a walk or like you know just like live your life because they're 100%. they are about life, and they're more movies should be about life or you know then but it, and, it's and also- that's what these two guys do. But it's also like, I think the equivalent of like, it's like when you have like good like art, I think it's like the mental version of like having like vegetables or like, but these are like the best Brussels sprouts 
cooked in the crispiest way. Like you don't even know you're eating like the vitamins. Uh, this so. is healthy, healthy food, folks. Yeah. Healthy um, cinematic food. So um, next week, uh, you've heard it here first, a trademark Academy Academy swerve is in the mix. Whoa! It, whoa! It's the spooky season. And Patrick and I, we want to talk about some spooky movies next week and take Ooh. a quick a quick break from a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so next week, we're going to be celebrating one of our absolute favorite actors within the genre and horror world in Barbara Crampton. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be taking a look at her films from beyond Ooh. one of the one of our great collaborations with Stuart gordon and also uh, the more recent your next directed by adam wingard who you might know from godzilla versus kong one of his earlier films and patrick i'm going to swerve you oh. what do you th- what do you think we what do you think about throwing castle freak into the mix too uh i have that movie on blu-ray so yes okay yes, 100%. yes. yes. all right Fuck yeah i own that movie i love that Oh uh, man, one of the so, one of the greats. We're doing it. We're doing it. We have three for three in a special one-off spooky season tribute to Barbara Crampton, one of our faves. And then we will return the week after that with Lost in America from Albert Brooks and Broadcast News from James L. Brooks. And I'm excited. I'm excited. This is gonna, these are fun. Yeah, these are, this is just a bunch of fun stuff. My like, my endorphins rush. I feel good talking about these. The uh, the French lieutenant's woman and cruising are all sitting in the corner saying to themselves, I wish I could be this fun. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Into the Woods no, is just no, sulking. No, no diss to any of those. I'm not a huge Into the Woods fan, to be honest, but I, I yeah. think that French lieutenant's woman and cruising do have their value. <laughs> oh, yeah. Say, and say, even Into the Woods has its moments. But I will say this, you know, it's, I don't know, you know, as we close out, like these, you, you, you mentioned like kind of the feeling of comfort, the feeling of like life. And I think like being stuck inside going through all of this, like hellaciousness of this quarantine and all the tragedy behind it. it is like to see these movies about people interacting together, people being like caring about each other, like going through life. It is kind of nice to be around them. Yes. And, and you know yeah and all the and all the sloppiness it entails yeah 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 it feels like the way you know you kind of remember life when you could go outside and give hugs and go out yeah. to dinner and do, uh, do, try to succeed with your dreams and do, do, you know, do donuts do, in your sports car by the beach yeah <laughs> you get that scene is we didn't even talk about how oh. crazy that scene is just truly one of the most ludicrous things ever captured on celluloid and i Be- loved it beautiful scene jack nicholson is driving his sports car with his feet at the beach in circles it's crazy while sitting on top of the car yeah and I- he's a he's of course Da- very dangerously thrown from the top of the car into the surf. <laughs> yeah, by, by Shirley McLean. Oh man, what a... could have easily murdered the murdered our our beloved retired astronaut. Yeah, Garrett, I... Love. We're so lucky that car was not Christine. Yeah, uh, well, boy, are we? All, you know, if there wasn't a better note to leave on, we are so lucky our cars are not Christine. <laughs> Christine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right, next week, Barbara Crampton special. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Dear kindly Sergeant Krupke, you gotta understand, it's just our bringing up key. 
that gets us out of hand. Our mothers all are junkies, our fathers all are drunks. Golly Moses, naturally we're punks. Gee, Officer Grumpy, we're very upset. We never had the love that every child ought to get. We ain't no delinquents, we're misunderstood. Deep down inside us, there is good. There is good, there is good, there is good, there is good. There is good. There is good. There is good.